You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's have a look at the markets now through the eyes of Sterling Private Wealth's Joanne Bainham in in Cape Town. Uh, Joanne, I don't want to talk about the market straight away, but obviously what I'm going to talk about is link to the markets. I'm getting a jab to five past seven this evening, South African and uh, Dutch time. And I was supposed to have one about six weeks ago, but for some reason (laughs) I, I didn't. I'm just thinking it just keeps on going on and on. Don't you think that for the rest of your adult life, which is for the rest of your life, we're going to be having these jabs all the time. I don't think it's going anywhere, do you? God, I hope not. But, but unfortunately, I think you're right. I, I think the fact is, if you read between the lines, your immunity wears off within six months. Look, I don't agree with that, but that's what they're telling us, which means every six months you're going to have this stupid jab again. Mm. And you know, until the whole world is vaccinated, no one is vaccinated is the kind of argument or until we get to herd immunity. So, yes, yeah, sadly, I think this is going to become... Like, unfortunately, not a flu shot, but a COVID shot every year. Just dreadful. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not that much of an inconvenience. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, I can only sort of use the analogy of, of going from South Africa to the Netherlands and um, not having to worry about getting a throat slit when you walked from the pub to the car park, uh, that, that sort of thing. It, it's almost as though if you don't have to have it and you don't have to wear a mask and you don't have to worry about it, uh, then it's a great weight off your shoulders, if you see what I mean. And I, I think it's a little bit of an, it's not an imposition, but it's certainly an inconvenience and it makes you think. It, it does, but I think, I think we were discussing you know, COVID, but I think it's still ridiculous, this world we live in today, with we're not worried more about diabetes and cancer and other things. And over the last 12 months, why have governments not talked about the harm of sugar, the harm of not exercising? the harm, You know, why have we not had more discussions about increasing your immunity? You know, COVID is just one thing that kills you. There are lots of things out there that kill you if you don't live a proper life. So, I mean, a part of me says, yes, COVID's one story. If governments really want to control our lives, why aren't they doing other things as well? Maybe I shouldn't give them ideas. Yeah, I know, but we could go on forever about this. But anyway, markets are shrugging it off. It's uh, May is is gone now. It's June the first. Selling man go away. Worked for about three days at the beginning of the month, but now here we are, uh, close to record highs on many different uh, indicators in the in the developed world and also in some emerging markets. Also, uh, so it's been it's been it's it's been rather good, hasn't it? Can it continue? Do you think? Well, it certainly gives one an impression it's going to at the moment. And there's an interesting graph I looked at this weekend. A number of people are very concerned about the dollar and they think the dollar weakness is coming. And the number of people are worried that markets are highly speculative and a crash is coming. But it's interesting, if you look at those two together, you don't tend to get crashes at the same time you get dollar weakness. So if the dollar is weakening because there's just too much money being printed and too much fiscal spending, that bizarrely is actually very good for stock markets. So if you have the view that the dollar is going to weaken, then actually, by implication, you should be quite bullish markets. And that's currently what we're seeing. We're seeing weak dollar and we're seeing strong global markets. Why do I bring that up? Because the dollar tends to be weak when the, budget, when the current account deficit in the U.S. Is, is weak. In other words, they're importing more than they're exporting. And that fuels the global economy. And right now, the global economy is being fueled. I mean, you just have to look at commodity prices to kind of see how bullish people are about global growth. So having said all that, I do find it fascinating. Bloomberg brought out a graph this week showing the supply and demand around commodities and then sort of speculative interest in commodities. In other words, investors buying commodities, not because they want to necessarily use them or or they are supplying them. And it's about five, six times kind of supply and demand of the natural world. So, So it's a lot of interest behind commodities at the moment. That turns 
some of these things could fall very quickly. And bizarrely, what would make that turn? The dollar strength. So interesting times, Lindsay. But but right now, the market's telling you it's pretty bullish. It thinks the dollar's going to weaken. Commodities are rising. Hey ho, let's make let's have fun. What do you think about commodities? I mean, it's an asset class. It's a proper asset class. It always has been an asset class, but it's become a very fashionable asset class over the last uh, two to three years. The one thing that I've been saying and boring people's socks off by saying it so often is that when someone comes in and says you've got to slow down this commodity rise, they don't want to slow down the commodity. They they want to slow it down, but they don't want to curtail it. If you see what I mean. So the Chinese have said, "Oh, you've got to stop the speculation. We can't. This can't go on. You know, it's uh, it's damaging our." economy because we import a lot of commodities. That means absolutely nothing. Well, it actually means a lot to me because it means that they know that the prices are going much, much higher because their demand is going to increase because of their economy booming and supply is still constrained. So by saying that, to me, that's a red flag. It says they think it's going up. They just want to slow the momentum. So I, I don't know. I'm always wrong, as you know, Joanne, but I, I'm very bullish of commodities. Now, what I, just back to the point about the speculative demand, I think what the Chinese are trying to do is curb the sort of investment products around commodities. So if it's because there's a huge demand for commodities, they can't really stop that. You're right, they can't. If there's a demand, you want to build a house, you need lumber, you, you can't stop that happening if that demand is there. But if people are buying lumber because they think lumber's going up, hmm. that, that's a different type of speculation. And I think that's what the Chinese are trying to curb at the moment. So trying to get back to its natural price rather than the one that's being distorted. Because as you and I both know, the big topic that everyone's talking about right now is inflation. So back to it, you said commodities and asset class. The one thing you can buy in your portfolio to protect yourself against inflation is commodities. And I, I'm saying, and there's a term that economists are now referring to as a doom loop. So what's happening is people are buying commodities because they think inflation's rising. The more they buy commodities, the more the price goes up, the more the inflation goes up, and the more they buy commodities. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yes. And I think the Chinese are a bit concerned about where does this eventually end? Because don't forget the Arab Spring was about rising food prices. So they, ha they have to control it somehow because, remember, their command economy, they can't allow this thing to go out of control. Okay, it's a good theory. But at what point do we raise yeah. interest rates or, or stop buying back bonds and start to tighten rather than ease? I mean, that is the thing. It's not going to be this year, though, is it? I don't think. Well, I think part of the tightening conversation is about whether inflation is transitory or structural. And at the right now, the Fed keeps telling us they think it's transitory. And there was a very good article from Gavkill recently, Anatole Kalensky, said if you looked at inflation on a tier basis, you're not seeing much rising inflation. So there is this massive base effect coming through in the inflation numbers right now. And as you and I have debated quite a few times in your show, we're still not seeing massive wage inflation. Yes, in a few sectors in the economy, but across the board, we're not seeing wage inflation yet. The number we have to keep our eye on, if that goes through, then the genie's out the bottle and the Fed will have no choice but to raise rates. But if it's a transitory factor and wage inflation is an increase year after year after year, then they can keep you know, monetary policy very loose. Because remember, we've been through a, a cataclysmic event in 2020. A lot of this is just the world normalizing. On a two-year view, it doesn't look quite as extreme. But if 2022, we start seeing rising inflation, then that's going to be a problem for the Fed. And they'll probably have no choice but to raise rates. 
but I don't think we're there yet. No, I don't think so either. Uh, unless there's a shock in the next two months where inflation stays above 4% or even goes higher in the States, then they're going to have to do something because it's punishing savers and uh, the, the curve is just all out of whack. Uh, talking about normalising, uh, everything's normal in South Africa because South Africa's unemployment rate rose to a new record high today, or rather reported today, of 32.6%, Joan. Okay, it's only a pip higher than the previous month. And um, that's for the final quarter of 2020. This was the highest since the quarterly labour force survey began in 2008, so the highest for 13 years or 12 years. It's, it's, it's uh, unbelievable. It is. It's actually, I think I tweeted today, I, I called it a natural disaster of our own making. How, how can we allow labour unions in this country? We've got unemployment numbers of that magnitude. And I'll go further and say the youth in, the, in South Africa today, it's 74% unemployment. Mm. That is a complete unmitigated disaster. And how can we let that happen? I mean, every time Cyril stands up, he should be saying, the biggest worry I have for South Africa today is the unemployment level. We need to do something about it. And if that means, and don't, people get cross with me for saying this, but it means people have to earn lower than the minimum wage for a while to get training to the point where they can actually then actually get a job. That is something we have to start thinking about because there's no point forcing people to have higher minimum wages or forcing you know, employees to earn X a month when the unemployed are the biggest component of the African economy at the moment. It's terrifying. And, and, that, and yet when I hear fund managers tell me how bullish they are about SA Domestic Inc., I look at this and go, have you looked at our unemployment numbers? Have you looked at the fact that a number of South Africans are unemployable because of our school system? I, I, yeah, for me, the long run, I, I still very much worry about these sectors. Yeah, I think the future is a very different future to when these statistics were first collated in 2008 because maybe you don't need to employ people anymore. Maybe these companies, these SA domestic stocks that are suddenly doing so well, and I've had numerous podcast conversations about SA Inc. and everyone seems to be very bullish. But on the other hand, you've got the boardroom. And when you go out the boardroom and you walk down the street, every third person adult person doesn't have a job. I mean, and that's the official statistics. I mean, maybe they're doing some informal stuff on the road, maybe on the side of the road, maybe they've got their own little barbershop, maybe they're buying stuff from a wholesaler and setting up a snack stall or something like that. I, I don't know. But to me, 32.6% is a fairly good representation of what's going on in the country. And that is awful. And it increases the government's debt burden. Simple as that. And also reduces, reduces your, your integrity as an unemployed person and also... It increases crime. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a strong correlation between crime and unemployment and poverty. It's just a, actually, I'll, I'll say yeah, it now. My, my, my ex-wife was held up in her home the other day, forced to, um, you know, hand over keys, jewellery, the whole lot. And um, I just thought, you know what, how can you live like that? This poor chap is obviously I'm not saying he's a poor chap. He's done the wrong thing. But on the other hand, he had to do it in order to feed himself or his family, I would imagine. Look, I, I, we can go debate this for hours. I'm not always convinced that somebody who comes to your house with a gun to your head has to feed their family. I think that's a different kind of crime. But I think somebody stealing your handbag in the street, that, that somebody's probably quite desperate. Uh, and, yeah, we've got these numbers to prove it. I mean, but as I said, the biggest problem in South Africa today is not just the unemployment rate. It's the unem unemployable rate. Mm. Uh, and kids are coming out of schools with 30% for mass, and that's a pass mark. It, it's a complete unmitigated disaster as far as I'm concerned. And that's why in the long run, I, I can understand why so many people are saying, can we take our money offshore? We're looking at other opportunities. So forget the next 12 months. I mean, probably be euphoria around South African shares 
And right now, commodities are rallying like crazy. So, you know, our budgets look better and our trade surplus is, I think, was at all-time high two days ago. I don't remember the number when it came out. Yes, there's in the short term, there's some very good news for South Africa. But can we make it sustainable? Can we do something with this commodity money coming our way with the rising taxes? Are we making the right decisions? And yes, from a political perspective, it looks like we're starting to, you know, arrest or tell people they can't be in the ANC if they're doing wrong. There's some good news stories coming us around Ace Mangashulu, for instance. But we need to tackle this unemployment problem. We need to get training. We need to, people need to be able to, as you say, they need to have respect for themselves. Nobody wants to not work. People want to work. They want to uh, look after their families. So I agree, Lindsay. I think longer out, this is the biggest problem South Africa has. So you're not a big fan of SA domestic stocks versus overseas um, counters. Is that what you're saying? Well, no. I mean, I think in the next 12 months, there's a there's a valuation argument. And a lot of these companies are cheap. My argument when I interview fund managers is not to say, are they a good or bad idea? My argument is, is this a buy and hold or is this a trade? And most of them tell me it's a trade. So, you know, it's just very much like a hot potato. Let's hold it for as long as we can until we have to sell it to somebody else. Because from a sustainable earnings perspective, if you're looking at a five-year view, where do you think South Africa will be sitting? So unless we make some major changes and we get huge investment rollout plans, which Cyril's been trying to do, but we need to get much more money into this country, you know, renewable energy, it hasn't even happened yet. We've got load shedding on again in South Africa in the middle of winter. We've got load shedding. It's 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 in ridiculous. And yet we've had people on the renewable side desperate to try and get, get electricity into this, onto the grid and government just doesn't do anything about it. So... We, we have the ability to change the way, but I just don't see it happening at the moment. And where's all the taxes coming from? I mean, one of the scary stats I saw last week on the spa results, talking about the fact that cigarette sales have still not got back to normal levels because people are realizing tax-free cigarettes are much nicer. Hmm. You know, that's something that we did through lockdown. I mean, what about alcohol sales? We need the tax revenue in this country. Oh, the latest... Sorry, I'm going on a real rant here. That's all right. They're talking about they're talking about the NHI. You know, no, <laughs> you you can't even vaccinate people in this country, and now you want to do national health insurance. Oh, and while we're at it, let's take away the money from the medical aid schemes. First of all, it's not the medical aid's money; it's the individuals' money, so that would be theft. But but there's some very strange schemes being talked about in South Africa today. So again, on a long run perspective, I do think you need to diversify your wealth. Short run different argument short run there's a lot of euphoria around and it's all on the back of commodities well said joanne i know you've got to go off to another meeting now but that's um put the cat amongst the pigeons and also given me a lot to think about joanne bainham is from sterling private wealth in cape town the views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of lindsay williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.